You're listening to Earnestly Speaking, the only weekly podcast that covers friends, foes, and anything that goes. And now, for your badass host, Ernest Owens. Surprise. <laughs> Nobody saw this coming. Um, uh, this is a special edition of Earnestly Speaking. Sometimes, you know, when there is like an earth shattering moment, um, not that there's not a lot of earth shattering moments that take place, but when there are those weird, interesting situations that come, I will just fall from the sky and give you all a surprise digital drop, a bonus episode, a special edition. And this definitely um, required a special edition. So I don't know if you were living under a rock this weekend, but you probably saw that um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry interview with the Queen Oprah, who, you know, I stand for. And I just have so much to say. And I was like, you know what? I couldn't wait to do my typical episodes that I do weekly. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to have a special episode, a briefer episode, just to talk about th- what happened. And also the follow-up, because I did watch uh, the Monday morning CBS um, special with, of course, her bestie Gail, where Oprah shared more details and clips about what went down. So, yeah, we're just talking about this royal hot mess, the royal racism and all the drama in between, because the tea was very hot. And I just want to say that, you know, I told y'all so. Okay, so let's let's start from the very beginning. Back in 2017, when there was a lot of buzz and chatter about this royal wedding, um, I wrote an op-ed for Philadelphia Magazine talking about it. And I was just not here for this royal wedding. I mean, I was like, sure, they, they're going to get married. But there was a lot of people that got really hype about, um, you know, Meghan Markle, who was an actress, who had a career, Fuck whatever Bethany, Frankel, whomever was talking about. I mean, she is selling skinny girl margaritas and shit. I mean, she's making a lot of money off of that. I think she sold it for $120 million, they said. But, Meg, you know, she was trying to act like Meghan Markle wasn't already somebody. Meghan Markle is an interracial, uh, or she identifies herself as mixed race um, black woman who is an American actress. She was known for being in Suits. And, you know, working class, you know, worked herself up and pretty much, you know, meets Harry, um, who, of course, we know Prince Harry, who is the son of Princess Diana and, of course, Prince Charles, who's still living. The one who was in the crown, the one that was cheating on Diana for Camilla, who he is still currently dating. Yes, that Prince Charles, that hot mess season, basically season four of the crown, basically. That is their son. Um, who is currently married to um, Meghan Markle, which was a big deal because she was, um, they're saying, was in in recent history, the first, um, you know, of color um, duchess. So she's a duchess of Sussex, Sussex or whatever. And, you know, they became the, the... you know, basically they became royalty. I mean, this was the, she was the first black princess, um, of course, of that family, not of ever. We've had plenty of black royalty, you all. Africa, Africa, our, our, our identity spreads all throughout the diaspora. Our, we've always had black royalty, but for some reason, this European centric, 
royalty under the UK, right? Because the kingdom, the British kingdom, the British monarchy, that is what oftentimes dictate or define royalty for so many people. So when they think of real life princesses, they don't think of black princesses that are in African countries or in Ghana. Um, I've been to Ghana and I've seen royalty in Ghana, black royalty in Ghana. So I'm never like, I never really felt like this sense of being obsessed with you know, the royal family in this type of way. But some people are. Some people are into it. They, you know, they think this is the only, you know, identity of royalty in this type of way. So anyway, Meghan Markle becomes um, the Duchess of um, this, with with the Duke, of course, Prince Harry. And they get these titles. Um, They go into uh, this royal family. Now, I want to set this up to explain some of the background um, you know, pretty much I wrote that Prince Harry's interracial marriage to Meghan Markle will intensify racism, not fix it. I wrote that in November of 2017. Everyone else, a lot of people, not everybody, because there was a couple of folks that understood where I was coming from. But, you know, a lot of y'all wanted to say to me, oh, Ernest, you know, um, you know, why are you being a negative Nancy? This is a big deal. You know, I, I really, I really um, think that this is great. And, and I feel like, um, you know, it's a lot of great things and opportunities. This could be great. This can make history. This can change the game. Yada, 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 yada. And I was like, okay, you know, I guess. But I was like, that's not how this works, y'all. Like, we saw this with Obama in 2008. We're seeing it now with um, Vice President Kamala Harris in the White House. When you put black people in predominantly white spaces, to think that they're going to be the ones that's going to break some curse or some generational disaster, th- that is not the case. Like, that is not the reality. Um, you know what I'm saying? And I think that that, you know, that that's the problem. You know, um, you don't have to, um, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to put this pressure on, on black folks in this way. I, I wrote a piece a while back called A Black Face in a White Space. And I was talking about my time at the University of Pennsylvania. And I just remember like coming in with this 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 level of, oh, I can't fail. I, I'm representing. I'm representing. And all of this stuff about representation. And then you get to a point where you realize, look, I'm only one man. I'm only one person. I'm only, you know, one individual. I I, I can't I can't carry that. And it's not fair to me because in in many ways, that institution that is taking you in, if they're trying to act like it's a change, the institution has to change along with the person. So it doesn't the burden doesn't really fall on the black person. The the burden actually falls on the institution that's trying to claim this change. What are they going to do to step up? Um, What are they going to do to fix this? And the history showed me, okay, that they don't have a history of protecting black and brown people in the institution. They were not prepared to, to do that. They were not interested in doing that. And so the quote unquote, the firm, which they kept referencing to, which is, which is separate from the British family, but kind of like in the same institute, they're in the institution, but they're like the people, I guess, who are in the, the staffers or the senior level folks that's invested in um, working for the family. They were not invested in protecting um, Meghan Markle for the onslaught of racism and, and hate. And it was infuriating, right? Because 
when we started seeing the tabloids quickly come after her and the British press, listen, you think the American press is a mess. The British press, press does not have any restraint. They don't care. Um, they don't care. They don't, they don't give a fuck about, about any of the people they come after. I mean, we should have saw what they did to, um, you know, Princess Diana. Like, American paparazzi is a mess too. Let's not get it twisted. You saw, you know, you know what happened to Britney Spears. I mean, you see what happened to a lot of of, of uh, celebrities. But something about the British tabloid press—they don't care. They're ratchet with it, y'all. They like—they just be saying anything, be, and and and, be, and blatantly lying. Like, I mean, American press, the the, the tabloid—that tabloid press a lot too. But it's just something about the way they do it. It's just petty, petty. It's like the littlest things become the biggest things for them, and they really will talk about it on like media news and and what's crazy is that the tabloid press and the local news they're like in bed with each other it's almost like they all follow the same bullshit like versus in america there are some separations you know sans fox news but like you know you watch cbs this morning that's going to be separate from what kind of stuff that you're seeing these little tablets they kind of embed it in a way where they make everything news even the juiciest most salacious shit becomes like their news and we that we we've seen some of that in the United States, but not. But there is some, you know, like there's still a moment of of some level of like pause on that, right? Um, but they they run with it. They're 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 a different beast. I mean, Pierce Morgan gets to do general news and be taken seriously. Like we don't have a Pierce Morgan in America that do general regular news. Like we have people like Lester Holt, right? Respected, dignified journalists like Lester Holt. Um, people like. Gail King, you know, folks like that. I mean, you don't have uh, a, a Pierce Morgan on regular TV. Now, cable news, that's another beast. But they like they got Pierce Morgan on there like he's a real, like he's a real legitimate journalist that should be respected, not a big old racist, messy ass, you know, coward. You know, it's just, it's different. So she got hit hard with a lot of the most ridiculous ass tabloids and headlines and, and, and crazy stuff and that was going to be by default because this is a this is this was a listen london is racist as fuck i mean i i don't know i'm i am very much i'm not one of these people that do the whole i gotta leave america because america is the racist place ever no america's racist too and if i was ever to leave america i would go to ghana okay i love ghana i can't praise it enough i would go to the to ghana Ghana has their issues too, you know, colorism, fading cream, all that stuff. That, that happens all across African countries and all across the world, to be honest. I mean, you can find stuff like that in India. But that being said, there is something about just the racist history of, of places in Europe. And we know this, the colonialism, the imperialism. I mean, Paris, people love the fuck out of Paris, France. They love that city. They're like, oh, Paris is Paris that. Paris is racist as fuck. Who, have you spoken to black people who went to Paris that are not rich? It's racist. My friends would go abroad and they'd be hyped by Paris. They'd be like, yo, I don't know about Paris, honey. Child. Okay. They, they're not hyped about Paris like that. I, I don't really know that many black people that went to Paris that did not tell me some stories about it. And then they would tell me how it was smell and stuff. Listen, never been to Paris. I don't think I've ever, I haven't been anywhere in Europe. I've been to Israel. I've been to Ghana. I've been to Peru. I've been to Canada. But like I don't, I haven't been anywhere in Europe, um, and I, I don't, I'm not excited about Europe like that. And shit like this is why I've just never been crazy about going to Europe. Like I will go. Where's my next country? I would probably go. I mean, I've always thought about Australia, but that's a little too far. But like, I mean, 
<laughs> especially not during this pandemic. But like places I would go, I would go to, I would go there. I would, I would definitely would like to go to Australia. That would be interesting. I would be curious to go to, you know, Russia used to be on my list, but not anymore. Okay, I'm staying far from Russia. Cuba, my my, my fiance went to Cuba, but anyway. I just, I, 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 I'm just not excited. I'm, I, I mean, I'll probably go to another African country, to be honest. I'm, you know, I'm just not crazy about Europe like that. And I think there's reasons why. Now, I do love a good European check. Like, I'm going to actually be on a, a talk, a popular talk radio show in London, um, you know, um, later today talking about all of this. So, like, I'm just giving you all the black gay male perspective on all of the stuff that's happening with this royal racism. That's what we're going to just say. Hashtag royal racism. But... Anyway, this was all set up to fail for her. Like this was this, this was a disaster waiting to happen. We, we saw like when Obama became president, my mama, the day she saw it, she just was like, oh, God, I hope they don't assassinate him. And they did it. But they definitely assassinated his character. They definitely came for Obama without no avail. I mean, he he did achieve some things. Right. We did get the Affordable Health Care Act, which. Thank you for letting me stay on my mama's insurance and my parents' insurance for till 26. Because I'm now 29 and shit. I'm trying to get on my future husband's insurance because I don't want to pay health insurance. Somebody's got to pay for it and it's not going to be me. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, so, you know, it was it was set up. I mean, even even with, with Kamala, everyone's like, oh, first, like, why do we keep getting so caught up in representational politics? Representation does not mean anything when it comes to trying to change and dismantle systems of oppression. They will put a black face in any position and still fuck over us. That's the new game. So now representation is a new way to hide racism now. So they'll put black people in the front, but if they don't have any power, they don't have any protection, it doesn't matter. And, and that's what we, we're learning consistently, that without the power or the protection, it doesn't matter. Obama was not protected as much as he could have. He he did have power. He did yield it in, in, in ways that were sometimes good and sometimes bad, right? The drones, right? Um, the, the immigrants in those cages. Um, there's a lot of things that could have been done, but I digress. Um, London was racist. They, they, I mean, their prime minister is Boris Johnson. Okay, let's just start there. He's basically Trump too. You know, all the Blexit crap. I mean, that's all him and his party, okay, who are very much so conservative and very much so invested in very xenophobic um, ideologies. So you got that going for London, right? You got that going for the United Kingdom. Um, you got that going for England. You got that going for the, the whole UK and the host, the whole everything with it, right? That's happening. And that's happening while this family has a history of racism. Y'all saw The Crown. If you haven't watched it. So I'm so happy I watched season four like I did because I really binge watched it. But the, the Margaret Thatcher stuff. I mean, there was there's always been a racist history. So Meghan Markle was walking into that. What comes out of this, and this is when stuff gets really messy for me, is that the one of the early reports is that Meghan Markle um, made Kate Middleton cry around something around the wedding. Well, we find out in this interview, which can we, um, that basically it was the other way around. Kate Middleton made Meghan Markle cry around something with the flower girls and, and, and whatnot. So you're just sitting there like, so what the fuck? 
Like, so the entire time they've let this rumor go and the firm, quote unquote, the royal family did not get ahead of it, did not clarify because they want to protect this white woman. Kate Middleton, by the way, is Prince Harry's sister-in-law. She's married to Prince Charles, um, who is not talking to Harry. They, their relationship is estranged. Um, and it, it's a lot. It, it, it's just, it, it's a lot. So there's a lot of issues going on with the family and Kate Middleton remember she had her royal wedding and it was a lot of chatter about that and and let me also be clear sorry back that up it's prince so prince so prince philip is the one um you know what i'm saying um prince prince philip is well they're they're making some clarifications about one aspect which i'm excited about but I, i'll get to that so Prince Philip is the father of, so people can keep up because there's so many princes and I want to make sure that I have everybody right. Because this royal family uses, they all use the same type of, they don't use the same exact titles, but they use the same, you know, types of um, like names. And so I want to make sure that when I say this, everybody's on the same page. So Prince Philip and, um, Prince Philip is the Duke of Edinburgh. So for context, for people who want to understand how these families work, he is the husband of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, and so basically Queen Elizabeth is the queen. Okay. Then you have Prince Charles, okay, who is their son. And Prince Charles is the father of Prince Harry. And then, okay, so if so, but then there's another Prince Charles, and Prince Charles is also um, basically he's like a junior. So, like, basically, that's like that's their dynamic. So, like, for example, um, one of the things that people, you know, oh, sorry, Prince William, take that back. So, let me bring this all back. Prince William is the brother of Prince Harry. Their father is Prince Charles. Prince Charles was married to Princess Diana. For all clarifications, I'm trying to keep up with my princes. I'm trying to keep up with my princesses. So for people keeping up again, let me back this all up. So you have the queen, the queen, Queen Elizabeth. She's married to Prince Philip. Prince Philip is an old man. Very old man, clearly. They're both old. Prince, the, the, sorry, the, the queen is 94 years old. So she's married to Prince to Prince Philip. Prince Philip has a son named Prince Charles. Prince Charles is the one who was married to Princess Diana. So those two, Princess Diana and Prince Charles, has two children, Prince Harry and Prince William. Prince William is married to Kate Middleton. That is Prince, that's his wife. And Prince Harry is married to, of course, Meghan Markle. All right. Keeping y'all on the pace. So let's back this up a little bit. So that this can all make sense. So. <laughs> Prince Harry's, Harry's brother's wife, a.k.a. Prince William's wife, Kate Middleton, okay, who had the royal wedding many, many years ago, probably back in 2007. She basically was accused of calling 
um, you know, basically she was accused of, I mean, well, basically she, in the press, they framed it that Meghan Markle was basically making Kate Middleton cry. The press ran this story. Everybody ran this story, but privately that was not the case. Actually, Kate Middleton was the one who made Meghan Markle cry, and that was where all the drama started. So there was start there was drama amongst them behind this. There was a lot of emotional issues, and apparently they resolved the issue. Uh, Kate apologized. Meghan Markle moved on, but the tabloids didn't. And somehow the firm, which is basically the senior leadership that helps represents the royal family, they decided um, to not like really refute the rumors. So they let the rumors about Meghan Markle continue and they did not protect her from it. So that was strike one. That was the big major strike. What comes of this issue is that further conversations, there was tea that came out that there was conversations about the skin color of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's child who is named Archie. They're about to have another child, which is a baby girl, which they announced yesterday. But they also have a son, and his name is Archibald, but they call him Archie. So Archie is a baby that, you know, clearly he's, you know, Harry is with a mixed race woman. So of course that child will have some melanin. We're not even going to get into the one drop rule thing. It's just that that child has melanin. And that child is, is, is you know, basically not a white, a fully white child. And w- this kind of stuff like in in royalty they are you know the xenophobia the racism the aryan type of obsession around genetics and racial drops and things that stuff in royal blood all that kind of stuff they they obsess over that stuff not just the royal family but in other generations these type of conversations and other royalty these things these things do play out and clearly this was playing out so they had no plans to give this child a title And then there were conversations that Harry had with certain family members around um, Archie's skin color. And Meghan shares this tea, Oprah, which we'll get into Oprah in a minute, but they get into this tea around the racial identity. So there is a lot of that that happens. Um, And of course, they're talking about his skin color to talk about not giving him a title. Of course, we're talking about this baby. Now, this this is a baby they're talking about. And... Harry will not disclose who it is, but just out of the recent headlines, he confirmed that it was not the queen and that it was not um, Prince Philip, which is her husband. So basically, the queen and her husband were not the ones who had this conversation, which now has people thinking that it must have been um, Prince Charles or Prince William. Because remember, Prince Charles is the father. And his father and him have an estranged relationship. His father wasn't picking up his calls um, recently. And that's what Harry said in the interview. So now people are thinking it's Prince Charles because we've now got a fissure that it's not Prince Philip or the Queen. So if it's not those two, then that leads to the father and the brother. Because he says he has an estranged relationship with the brother. And he has an estranged relationship with the father now. Like they're not talking. There's like rifts in the family. So I'm just trying to figure out who would be the one to have that conversation. and thought they could have that conversation. And my speculation is I think it's Prince Charles because he's older. He, I mean, he would be the one in lead. Um, But, I mean, it could have been Prince William. But I think Prince William with Kate Middleton, I think that, like, that's none of their business. So it wouldn't really make that sense. I see that as a father 
I could see a father saying it more than than the son. I think, I mean, but I wouldn't put it past Prince William either. I don't put it past any of these white people. But they've clarified that it's not Prince Philip and it's it's not uh, the queen who had these conversations. So that's a, I don't know if the word is the release, but they did not raise concerns about Archie's skin color is what has been said for clarity. And even Oprah followed up and said that that was the case um, in CBS this morning. So that's, 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 that's the clarity, but we still have suspects. And so I don't think it was Kate Middleton, of course, uh, Prince William's wife. I don't, clearly it wasn't Fergie, because uh, the way that Megan describes it, there was a relationship between Fergie in a positive way. It seemed like there, there's a positive relationship here. But the thing that is interesting about that conversation is that in spite of that being said, they were still trying to be dutiful and work with this family, the royal family. And I'm just like, listen, everybody's different. It couldn't be me. It couldn't be me. So things got more chaotic because they were trying to basically get security. Uh, they wanted more protection. They didn't feel like they were being protected from the press. They didn't feel like the family was doing that. And there was more, again, more issues around protection for the son, the, which is the son, I'm talking about Archie, and for Megan and, you know, and all of that. They didn't feel like they were being safe. Right. Black women in predominantly white institution don't feel safe. We've heard this story so many times, but th they were there was all of this concern around safety. And eventually they said, OK, maybe we can run the Canada, which is a British territory and, you know, kind of get away from all of that that's going on over there in the UK. So they go to the Canada and they're also not guaranteed any safety, pretty much. They're like, you know what? We can't do this. And in a nutshell, there's more issues around that, which makes them feel like, you know what? If y'all not going to protect us, then why we got to be obligated to do anything for you? I mean, that's my interpretation of the situation. But in a nutshell, what was being said was that, OK, if there's no protections, if there's none of this, then why are we still committing ourselves to doing this work under the, the British crown? If we can't even get the British crown, British crown benefits. So they decided that, in other words, they were forced to basically be out of the family. I mean, they clearly were. I mean, they weren't giving Archie a little baby a title. So this child was going to grow up with royal parents and not have a royal title. So in other words, they did not want that boy, okay, to have the royal DNA with his black genes and basically turn the royal family and turn the royal kingdom out. So everybody who was acting like this was going to change the castle, it was going to be a, a black, a black, they were like, uh-uh, he will not get a title. We are not about to do that. They, they, they really basically cut off. White supremacy got these motherfuckers out here going out their way to cut off family. They will cut off a family member to uphold whiteness. That's how deep the racism is in the royal family. They was like, oh, your new child? Oh, no. Megan, she's whatever. Whatever with her, right? Because she, you know, genetically speaking, she can't she can't produce offspring under the under that type of that leadership. Like in other words, if they had girls, you know, they would they could probably connect these women with with other, you know, it's just different when it's coming. I mean, there's a very like paternalistic way that the royal family treats the men and 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 how women are placed in this 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 family bloodline. I think they were very adamant on making sure that that he did not produce a male, especially a male carrying Markle's black DNA, because that's what it really boils down to. Like when you're having eugenic type conversations about skin color and complexion, why are you having those conversations? 
Like, I'm not crazy here. Don't don't act like I'm over here doing conspiracy theories. I mean, that's a real, like, if they're asking those questions, what, what would the purpose of that be? Especially when they're removing the title of the child. They do not want to carry a black bloodline in that family. Chances are, probably already do have a black bloodline, clearly. I mean, we saw that with American history. Everybody was acting like there were no bloodlines of, of, of United States presidents to black people. Child, two fucking words. Thomas Jefferson. We had it at the very beginning of American history. Okay, Thomas Jefferson was, was out here sleeping with his black slaves. Okay. We, we, we know the information. We know the history. And, 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 and people tried to hide that for many years, you know, to try to make Thomas Jefferson like he was just this good man who was the one against slavery. He was the third president of the United States and he was out here cutting the fuck up. Sally Hemings, Sally Hemings. Okay. That was the woman he impregnated. That was his, his, the, the woman that, that he kept from the rest of us. And his children, those descendants and relatives still go out to the media today sharing their stories. So let's be very clear what was going on with Thomas Jefferson. Um, but, th- but, that, but I think that was happening in the royal family too. I think the royal family definitely has some other black ties. They may not want to let people know. They probably kept it a secret. But this being so public, they couldn't hide it in the 21st century. So that all being said, there was no point. They, they, at this point, they take security away. They don't give the child a title. They're not going to give the child a title. They cut the family off from security. So they left these people out for dead. And so in many ways, the royal family pushed Harry out and, and Meghan out. They, they did. They, they actively did. They let the press do what they do. Don't think for five seconds they didn't tip the press off bullshit. Like the way that they tried to run this this stupid ass story about Meghan Markle being a snow queen to the staffers and the people there and how she was a diva and a bully child please if you saw Meghan Markle in that interview do you I don't know I'm a good judge of character I don't get the energy that she's the type of person that was out there cutting up like that I just don't see it I don't see it from her I think that she I saw in her what a lot of Black people have to experience is that there's this part of you where you're in a fucked up situation. You're trying your hardest to to be above it. You're trying your hardest to 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 move forward. You're you're trying to do something great amidst all of the fuck shit that's in your space. That's what I got from Meghan Markle was that she was trying very hard to make a situation that she knew was contentious, and she was gonna ride for it. She put her career aside, y'all. She put everything aside. To, to rock with, with Harry. And, and I mean, that's a ride or die. That's crazy to me personally, but that's love. She loved him. This is what she did. She loved this man. And, and we're going to get into some of Harry too, because there's a lot of things, a lot of things. But I'm trying to get this out because there's a lot of things that was upsetting about how Harry was on an interview. And, and I got some thoughts for some of my friends with in, in interracial relationships. Take it or leave it. Do what you do. But once they got out, they then decided, well, at one point in time, they didn't have a house. So they stayed at Tyler Perry's mansion in L.A., which, you know, I, so, you know, I can't stand Tyler Perry's movies and his business acumen. I don't like the way that he operates his businesses. He's anti-union and I love union. So I can't I can't fuck with that. But Tyler Perry always got somebody in his motherfucking house. I feel like this is not the first. I mean, I feel like him and Oprah both. Like there's always stories I've heard of people like staying in their house to get away from people. And it's just like. This is not like the first time I heard this. Like I remember 
I don't know. I think Jennifer Hudson went to Oprah's house, or I think she went to Tyler Perry's house when her, you know, her family had, you know, there was those deaths that happened. But I remember there was like these celebrities would go stay hostage in their house. Well, not hostage, but because it's definitely not. If listen, I would stay hostage in Oprah's house, child. Let me tell you. But they would stay in these the, the, in their house. But like Tyler Perry always is providing shelter. Like what's going on? But I see how hot Tyler Perry stay relevant. I mean. He out here, you know, making sure that his house is the Hollywood, you know, welfare center for the celebrities and the, and the super uber rich. I know he was happy. I bet you he had everything in there popping. I bet you his workers got real raises and real pay when they were serving the royal family so everything would be tidy clean. But when I heard that, I was like, Tyler Perry's house? What? What? Who arranged that? Hmm. But anywho, they stayed at his mansion a little bit. I mean... That's a flex, man. Like, I bet he's just like, yeah, you know, the, you know, Princess Meghan, you know, the, 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 the princess and, you know, Prince Harry, you know, they stayed in my mansion, you know, I had to provide it. And, you know, he likes to be modest because Tyler Perry's never going to put it out himself, but he loves what other people do so that he can sit back and be like, see, so I ain't, listen, I ain't mad at him about that, but his movies are still problematic. Um, <laughs> so... They stayed there until they got their own place. And now they live next to Oprah. Another flex. So Oprah just was like, child, I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna drive over there. Come to my house. Oprah, can we, you know, you can come to our chicken farm, you know, and, and get you a to-go set of eggs. Did you see her holding that little carton of eggs? I was like, Oprah just chilling. Oprah's like, Oprah got paid a, a poor, a, up in the upwards of $7 million to do this CBS interview, by the way. So you know she secured a bag. Because I know they was not about to have Oprah and a chicken, a chicken, you know, coop or whatever like that. She wasn't going to be in a chicken hen uh, cage and she wasn't going to get some coin. Okay, so she got seven, lucky $7 million to do this interview. And she killed it. Okay, let me just say that. She killed it. She was all of us. You know, and, and Oprah is such an Aquarius, y'all. They were talking about somehow she said, wow, when Meghan Markle said that the situation made her suicidal, which isn't a laughing matter. I mean, that was part of why they left. And they called it the Mexic, Mexit. I think they were like, like, in a, like to say Blexit, but she was like, Meghan was like, they always got something to say about Meg. They always find a way to Meg something. And she, I know she tired of this shit because they kept, you know, always connecting her name to something messy or, or scandalous the British press did. But Megan, um, Megan Markle, she went, um, she, she was at one point in time, very suicidal. Her mental health was not there, even though she was pregnant and she was looking publicly looking good. I mean, this, they met, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce at the Lion King premiere and everything was looking glamorous, but behind closed doors, Megan was going through it. Okay. She was going through it. And at one point she was interviewed in South Africa and she kind of disclosed that there was some some stress there and we could all feel it and see it in her um just her whole body language you could just tell um but you know she was you know keeping up appearances to a certain degree but behind closed doors she was going through it and to the point that she was suicide her mental health was challenged and that's so sad like that was devastating oprah the aquarius was like wow such an aquarius thing to do my my fiance is an aquarius some of my closest friends are aquariuses and they just don't know they have like no emotion sometimes and sometimes you just be like um poke 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 can you can i get something out of you um like so my friend they I, i'll say something like can you believe it like uh, yeah that's fucked up i'm like that's that's it that that's that's all you gonna give <laughs> so you know i mean oprah was just like wow i was like oprah where is the where's the tissue sis like but you know i mean oprah was doing i mean oprah had you know oprah is is an incredible interview it is no shades oprah i just thought that was just like a, such an aquarius moment um but 
Anywho, uh, yeah, she was going through it. But Oprah, I would just say throughout the interview, she killed it. I mean, she always does. She's a legend at what she do. And as somebody who's interviewed Oprah, um, she's a great interviewee. And she's a great interviewer. And, you know, yeah, that's my little flex. I'm going to have that little flex for five seconds. Uh, but she, she, she was great. I mean, I, I mean, it, it's a master class for folks who have never seen Oprah do what she do. I mean, I grew up seeing Oprah for years as a child, just watching her on her show and doing her thing. And it was, it was fascinating to see like a younger generation. Look at me sound old. I'm 29, y'all. Don't forget. But it was interesting that a lot of people understood why folks like myself and others say Oprah's that boss because she is that boss. Um, you know, who, who can get the royal family to pour out? Listen, Oprah the type of person where I can lay on the couch and just tell her my social security number, my EIN number, and, and, and not even think twice because that's just how good she is. I'd be like, man, my number, I'd just be just flowing. Okay, I mean, because she was just, I mean, listen, if you was going to ever spill your business out on national television, let it be Oprah, y'all. Some of y'all be out here giving it to Wendy Williams and giving it to, you know, some of these other folks out here. Oprah is the only person I would give my, my personal business to. Only Oprah could have done that interview and only Oprah could have killed that interview like she did. Now, Gail is getting there. Gail, Gail, and I'm not comparing them, but Gail is great, too, in her way. Like, the way that Gail, I mean, this was like two years ago around this time that Gail interviewed R. Kelly. And, you know, Gail knows how to go in combat situations. Oprah knows how to go in and pull out differently. Like, they both have a different technique, and they're both great. And I'm not comparing them against each other. I'm saying, like, Gail, I feel like Gail gets the interviews, the interviews that Gail is doing. She goes, it's a combat fire. She's in some, some crazy, but she's, she's killing it, man. Like, I mean, the, Les the Lisa Leslie interview that got her a lot of um, negative pushback, which I thought she she handled it well. She interviewed that white girl recently who uh, targeted that innocent black young man at that hotel in New York. She She's just I mean, she is giving you those type of interviews and she's good at that. And Oprah, I think. It's coming out a different style technique. Her style technique is more like she's pulling stuff out of folks that oftentimes are so uh, inaccessible to the public. Like they didn't really, Harry and Meghan really didn't do any interviews like that with the public. I mean, nothing like that. Like not, this was like a bombshell. Um, sad that it had to be a bombshell in these types of terms, but like this is, this was, you know, if there was anyone to do it, it was Oprah and Oprah killed it. Um, so, so here's the parts about the interview that really had me just taking the back seat kind of like, huh, what? So, Oprah, first of all, tried to, which I liked, was that she went back to Harry and tried to get Harry to tell her who in the family did it. And Harry would not budge. But what's interesting about Harry is that, and then this is, this is the other things I was talking about earlier, is that Harry just kind of acted like he didn't know his family was racist. And that kind of had me like, huh? Like he was saying things like, you know, the race element. Like no one wanted to say the word racism outright. Now... In the interview itself, I think the word racism was, racism was only used directly from Meghan and Harry, I think one time. And that was in the interview that was the one that we saw on um, Sunday, on a Sunday night. Now, there is unreleased clips that then came out on CBS this morning where they talked about the, race, the racism um, more in depth. But for that interview where millions of people watched it, Racism was only brought up, the word racism was only said once. So in the conversation, there was all of these, well, why did they do that? Or why did they do that? I'm like, because you're black! <laughs> like, I just was just sitting there yelling at the TV. Like, there was all of these, like, like, 
Um, so they, they were questioning, you know, Harry, you know, uh, Archie's uh, skin color. And Oprah's like, what? And I mean, Oprah has to do that. I get it. Because Oprah recognizes that not just black people was watching this interview. But just the fact that there was just so much shock and awe of, about the racism in the royal family had me heated. Heated. I wanted to shake the table. I was so angry. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how are y'all about to sit up here and pretend like y'all did not know these people were racist? Or, or why are we, why are we, at, I mean, there was so much energy about the racism of the British press and the tablets. Yes, yes, they were racist. But no one wanted to go in on the racism of the royal family. Like, nobody wanted to talk about it. And I guess that was like, oh, because that's his family. Well, Harry, if your family racist and they didn't force your ass out, they don't see it for your ass either. Because you know what they call, racists call white people who love black people. They call them blank lovers. Okay? And that's pretty much how they were shooing him out. Like, oh, you like this blank? Oh, well, then you can go because you're a blank lover. And that's how they was going. That's the energy they was giving. Like once they decided that he was going to stick by his lovely wife that is of color, that is a black woman, they were like, yeah, you got to go too because we're not going to take you or you and your son Archie can go. But they made them both bounce. That to me is the moment where you have to say, okay, my family's a problem. See, white people, this is what y'all fuck up with. If your family is committed to being racist and being white supremacists, you got to cut them off if you want black people or other people, right, to believe you when you say that you do not tolerate racism. Because trust and believe, black folks, been, black queer people have been cutting their families off for their transphobia and their homophobia for years. For years. Okay. For years. I'm, I'm proud to say that my family doesn't have those issues immediately. Now, I've had... Now, I'll tell you, I love my mother. My mother is strong. Because when there were some friends of hers that were expressing homophobia when I came out, she cut them the fuck off. Because nothing's going to come between her and her child or her beliefs. And so you have to be that way sometimes. You have to take those stances based on what you love. And so it's very obvious, Harry, that your family's racist. And he was acting, I mean, everybody wanted to put everything in the press, but like, no child, your family's been running that empire, this, 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 has had influence. That racist influence definitely bleeds into society, which definitely, I mean, come on, are we not going, are we going to ignore the centuries of genocide and imperialism that the royal family has had? I mean, come on. That's an easy, that's an easy, it's easy to call the royal family racist. It's easy. It's e It's a monarchy. Abolish the monarchy. Hashtag abolish the monarchy. Like, we, why are we having this conversation? Like, why are we pretending like we don't know what the fuck is going on over there? But everyone's obsession. We was all kings and queens, they said. All of us were. No, we all, we were, all, we were not all kings and queens. And an obsession with monarchy. Listen, I had to watch Black is King last night to sanitize all of the white supremacy that I was enduring watching this shit. Um, on national TV. Like I had to sanitize my mindset. I did not watch Coming to America. I did watch it. It's like, we're not going to have that argument. I mean that could be its own special edition child. Mediocre at best. But the old heads can like it. And have their nostalgia moment. I wasn't really here for it. And when I found out that Kenya Barris. You know the one who wrote Blackish and Black as Fuck. The one who tries too hard. Yeah that guy wrote the screenplay. When I found that out. I said oh well, well there you have it. Say less. But moving along. <laughs> um, 
it was not hard for Harry to acknowledge the racism in his family. He should have. He played the, I mean, he played that role that a lot of white people in situations like this do, which is I'm going to um, do the I didn't know until I knew moment, right? So he said something like he was, you know, he, he wasn't aware of unconscious bias until he got with Megan and saw what she experienced. Really? You, the one who wore the Nazi costume, that Harry, the one who had the headlines about it, like there were tabloids. Talking about a front cover tabloid news, front cover news of Harry wearing a, a Nazi costume at a party with a swastika on the shoulder. Like, he could even act like he didn't know. Okay? And how he's allegedly defended racists and other things. Child, Harry, now see, this is where you fuck up, Harry. This is the part here we could just say, listen, I had the same views as my fucked up family on race. I, too, was a racist. But... I got some help and my family is in a sunken place, y'all. And we had to get out. Like, say that. Maybe not like that, but say that. And then I could be able to understand. Like, he was talking about he was trapped in the system. Dude, if you don't sit your white ass, listen, he was like, I was trapped in the system. You know, and it started getting real. Like, it got a little, it got a little cringy. And let me be clear. I understand what point he was trying to make. But there was a lot of victimhood he was trying to do. And Oprah was pushing back on some of that. And shout out to Oprah for doing it. But there was moments in the interview where he was just acting like he just so unaware. So unaware of how his family wrote. Child, you are royalty. You are a privileged white man. If you trapped in the kingdom and everything, oh, well, oh, well. You was never trapped in poverty. You was never tra- trapped in unemployment. You was never trapped in systemic institutional inequality and equity. But you trapped, though. Okay. And I sat there, I was like, Harry, you, what you could have said is you was in a sheltered household. Trapped a little too much. A little too much. Maybe, you know, okay, you, you know, you, you experience a sheltered life. A guarded life. Okay, fair. But, but trying to, you know, reappropriate, um, you know, oppressive terms to describe your situation when you belong to a system that oppresses other people, you know, people on classes, tropes, racist tropes, gender tropes. I mean, come on. But, you know, I, I was just like, okay, Harry. All right, Harry. Harry trapped. Prince trapped Harry. Harry trapped. You know, hashtag Harry trapped. Trap Harry. <laughs> so, you know, he's talking this. And then the, the crazy thing was that he was just having these moments about like, oh, how, you know, he didn't know all this about unconscious bias and all this. And I just told myself, this makes me think about all of the situations where white people um, play into victimhood. Um, so like, this is this is what you don't do. Don't be hairy in a situation like this, y'all. Because I was wondering to myself, when the family was talking about Archie, why you didn't put your foot down then and say, fuck y'all, hold up. Y'all not about to talk about my son like this. Like, I just don't understand why people didn't flip tables and turn up thin. I just don't understand why that was like, a, okay, they said this. Okay, moving along. What? I just, I, I, it's so many, there's so many questions about that type of shit. Like, how was that okay? But, you know, I feel like they were scared of the firm because the firm is giving me Illuminati vibes. Like, I felt like Megan and Harry were mentioning their words because they were scared. And the biggest revelation that came out of this was that they were surviving off of um, Princess Diana's money. 
So what kept them, what's been keeping them afloat before they got the Spotify deals and Netflix deals and all these other deals, child, they're getting, they're getting deals now, okay? They have been living off of Princess Diana's um, money that 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 uh, she had. And he kind of, you know, said some lines of like, you know, she prepared for this or she, you know, hinted at this, that she, you know, she came at the right time or she knew this was going to come. And I was like, whoo, damn. Like, basically, the money of your mother, who basically lost her life because of the madness and the chaos of that royal family, her money, her death money became what saved your family in this time of need. That's crazy. That's wild. Princess Diana is somewhere looking like taking care of her children from above or one of her children. And clearly she favors Harry because if you look at Prince William child, whew, he does not look good. Mm-mm. I don't know why he just don't just go bald. I don't know why men, when, when you have, this is, well, everybody talks about women all the time. Shit, I'm going to talk about men. Uh, it's Women's History Month. But like men who are bald like that, cut the whole thing off. Why are you keeping the hair around the edges looking like a Jefferson? Like, why do they do that? I, I just don't understand why they have that look. Cut it all off. Let go of your pride. Let it go. The moment, if my hairline like recedes in a Elizabethan era type look, I'm cutting it the fuck off. All of it. And I look good bald. I know because I was younger, I used to always get my hair like super, super cut low. So I know why I look bald. I would not mind looking bald. I mean, listen, I, I will look good. And I'm all about even tone. See, I want to be bald where like, like LL Cool J bald, like my Michael Jordan bald, where the hair, the head texture matches the facial texture. Like it has to be even. Because some people go bald and it's like real, real light at the top, but then it's like a big dark tan middle no you gotta fade it in so i don't know I'm, I'm just you know i'm okay with being bald there's nothing wrong with being bald man like it's you know a lot of bald men are wise okay i have bald friends like it's a, it's okay it's not bad at all i mean there's some, some good men who have you know i think some 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 guys look better bald than they look without like i think morris chestnut looks good better bald i mean he used to have waves back in the day but now he's bald he looks good bald you know omar epps is that omar epps i think the actor yeah um, he looks good bald. I mean, you can look good bald. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why people just like, don't, don't fake it. Like I remember LeBron James kept doing that thing where he was just trying to force it. I'm like, LeBron, you are, you listen, sir, 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 you're the king with or without hair. Just, just embrace the baldness. Okay. So, <laughs> so all that's going on, all this to say that. It just looks like he was jumbling on the fence with how he wanted to discuss the race issue. And that was very telling within itself. And I feel like there's a like there's a lot of people, and I have friends who are in interracial relationships, and some of them I've talked to, and they'll say things like, oh, you know, it's just awkward. We just don't talk about the race thing altogether. Excuse me? You are a black man dating a white woman, and you're not talking about race? She doesn't feel comfortable talking about it. Oh, this is a relationship that does not plan to last. I'm sorry. I don't understand how they have not been talking about it. And not only talking about it, but acting about it. And the burden should not fall on the person of color in that relationship. The burden should fall on the white person to do everything in their part, to make sure that their partner is safe. And that and they're checking people in their family immediately or willing to go to hell and hate white. If you're not willing to cross that line to cut a motherfucker off for disrespecting your wife or your child... Uh, then, then like that says a lot about how much you tolerate racism and Harry needs to do some training and if Harry needs some support on the racial front y'all give him my number because you know I do facilitate conversations and dialogue and all that stuff and I know some people that do because I 
sitting here looking like Harry, looking like, Harry, you was a part of the problem. You was a part of the problem. And you can tell, I, I get the sense that they've had some conversations, some arguments. There's been a lot of learning on Harry's part. Her, Harry looking like all oh, this race talk is stressing me out. You can see the way he looked. That hair scraffled. It. He looking a little dirty. Not dirty like in like he's bad hygiene, but he looking a little, little stressed. You can see the stress. He like all oh, this talk about racism is stressing me the fuck out. But well, welcome to the black community. Welcome to 400 years of being black. Because we we have to think about all of these things. And stress about all of this stuff on a regular basis. And, and somehow still look beautiful. Because I'm gorgeous. And I have had to keep myself up in spite of it. And so many black women who have had to endure sexism, racism, and all of those things. And, and, and still have to keep themselves, keep their, their spirits up and their health up and their wealth up and everything else in between with their self. Right? That's not easy. And Meghan Markle has had to do that. And what it proves and it shows us is the limitations of colorism. Not that she does not benefit from colorism, because let's be clear, if she was a darker hue, if she wasn't quote unquote mixed race, there would not be a conversation right now. There is something she she has white passability to a certain extent. Right. And the thing about it is that because the rest of the world reminded her or reminded everybody that she was black, the colorism didn't benefit her in that same way in this situation, because they're fixed. People's fixated in whatever that quote unquote drop was rather than fixated on everything else that was happening at play. Like Meghan Markle in America, colorism benefits, you know, black women in America in various ways. And in ways they don't because they can think that you're still black. Right. You know, you're still black. But there is something to be said for like if you look in media, right, the people that get to lead these conversations on race and identity are often people that are mixed race. They're often people that are light skinned. The you know, like I think I'm I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just saying the fact. When you look at some of the people who are getting hired to talk about race, you see white women, right? Like the woman who Robin, who's got that book, you know, that white fragility book. You know, her book is selling off the shelves. She's a white woman. And she's got a New York Times bestselling book out about race. Like, can, can black women get anything? Can, can black people get, like, any fucking thing? Like, uh, I mean, white people turn around and be the byproducts of the issue that hurts us and then try to be the expert on what hurts us. Like, we don't get any. Like, like more people was interested in buying a book by a white women about racism and white fragility than they did of, of black people. I mean, yes, some people bought the anti-racism book by old boy. But, like, that is, the, it's something to be said that white women in this business can prosper off of talking about anti-racism in this type of way. Just, just saying, just, just, just saying. Like, I like the fact that I see people who will hire light-skinned people or racially ambiguous people who keep, some of them, not all of them, that will keep pushing that narrative around the, oh my God, I'm struggling between two identities. Can you, my white side, my black side, my, you know, there, there's always that narrative that people lean on to in these conversations. Why is that the leading draw around racial, racism conversation in the black community? That in media, they're so caught up in having an obsession that whiteness have to sometimes be censored in those conversations around race rather than just straight up conversations by black people who are not racially ambiguous, who are not white passing, that just want to talk about being black in America. There's always this narrative that we have to include an element that appease white people around that passability or palpableness, right? That they will only hear racism conversations from white people or very, very light-skinned people. 
that if 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 if, if Jesse Williams, right, who who's light skinned, who's interracial, uh, can talk about racism, that somehow he's saying something that like I don't know, so many black women like you know Feminista Jones and and others have said, but didn't get the same spotlight or or, or the or, or the level of praise that he did, or people like me. Who, who write op-eds about racism, but then the moment a white person says something similar to what I say. I mean, I'm not trying to say no shade, but like in Philadelphia, like Melissa Zipino, right? Uh, she's the woman who filmed the incident at the Starbucks incident. Now, Melissa is doing great work. She's a white woman. She knows her privilege. She talks about it. And she's collaborated with another woman, a black woman who is dark-skinned. They're doing a lot of work together. She, she, he, she understood that and she did not want to be the center of attention. But a lot of people at me at before during the Starbucks incident, you know, this is the incident a couple of years ago where two black men were arrested in the Starbucks in Philadelphia. She was the one who like was a, was in the video, like videotaped it or she was a part of the videotaping of it or, or something of that nature. And she got all the attention because she's the one who spoke out about it. But she was this they all talked about this white woman and how she spoke out against racism. And she became the story. And 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 if she was a black woman who did that, she it, it would have never went out. It would never went down that way. And so there are white people, whether they intend to or not, that benefit off of speaking out against racism sometimes. And only in situations where there's a corporate or institutional situations like Harry, right? Harry speaking out is costing him a title, right? He's losing a royal title. But that white man gonna be all right. Because now he's got Netflix deals and Spotify deals. Now they can move into places like stay at Tyler Perry's crib and then not have the house of their own right next to Oprah. So there's still privilege there. There's still that accessibility. Like it's never that that hard. Um, the only person in this situation I feel sorry for the most is is Megan. Because Megan is a is, is a woman of color who she she listen, she loves who she loves, she loves this man. She she just wanted to just be in love and and to and to do what she do, and everybody else had to ruin these experiences for her. I mean, they're saying it's a fairy tale ending now, and it was because they left. But 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 the fact that she had to endure all of that, you know, the fact that she even had to put up with that shit, like that alone tells you everything you need to know about the state of race and the role that racism plays in these dynamics. And I hate that. I hate that. Like, I hate, I hate that. I just hate that she, like, she had to endure this for other people to be like, oh, shit, oh, damn, that's messed up. You know? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair to her. And I think, you know, wrapping, you know, this up and, you know, some, you know, getting it all together, because I told you it was only going to be a brief, like, quick special edition episode, and hopefully many of you listen to it and spread the word. And yes, I'll be back later this week with a new hot episode of Earnestly Speaking. We'll be back on schedule. But I had to take some time to talk about this because I just have so much to say about it. And I'm writing about it. And you already know I was going to write about it. Now, you already know I'm going to, I mean, black people going to get paid in this business to talk about race, okay? Oprah got her $7 million. I'm going to get my... My my triple four digits. I ain't I ain't seven figures yet with 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 my but you know I'm gonna take these I'm gonna take these four digits you know for these writing pieces I'm gonna take these three digits you know we're gonna make it happen with these uh, these interview appearances but, but this is the stuff that I'm saying we have to hear more black voices talk about racism and it was a wonder I mean I love first of all shout out to the black women who were at the UK getting Pierce Morgan the fuck together this morning because he was on his bullshit. Pierce Morgan, I don't know why. I mean, Pierce Morgan is like the, the, 
the fucking Bill O'Reilly of 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 like British media. Like he's always trying to find a way to to come through with the bullshit. So Trisha Goddard, who is a well-respected British black media mogul, she dragged the hell out of Pierce Morgan around the claims of racism and told him basically that as a white man, he he ain't in a position to say what is racist and what isn't. And then there was another woman who got on air and got Pierce Morgan together again because she was calling out how racist the British throne has been. And, you know, I'm just happy that we're having a collective diasporic conversation around the British monarchy because for too long, the Black Brits has been trying to tell us about the racism in London. And and there has been folks, and you know them people, them ADOS people, who all about trying to, you know, create all this xenophobic rhetoric around who's African descendants of America. Not, listen, I'm very much aware, and I want to be very clear, that yes, there are African descendants in America. My family is African descendants of America. We're not from other countries outside. I mean, to my knowledge, um, we're not direct descendants outside of other countries. So we're not from Britain. Um, you know, the only countries that we are connected to are African countries. There might be some other folks that then came in, but really we're direct descendants. Um, you know, we're American descendants from slaves. We're, we're, that's my family's list history. They from the South, then came to the Midwest, and then, hello, here comes baby Ernest. That's my, that's my heritage, right? And so when people ask me, what am I? I'm black. Like, I don't, I don't have a, you know, like some folks like to say, I'm Caribbean American. And that's their identity. They're Haitian American. They're, there's some, you know, they're, they're all of these other identities. And that's fine. But I'm just black. And I was born in America. I'm a black American, technically. But I understand that what I want to be clear about is that in that understanding about how our unique experiences around racism in America and American racism is different, white supremacy and racism is an international threat. And even though there are different circumstances, right, like American racism has a different hue and experience compared to British racism, when it comes down to fighting white supremacy, as black people from different um, aspects, we come together and we should come together and we shouldn't shame each other about what we think our legacy is because the, the, the imperialism has impacted all of us. There are a lot of folks that like to talk about in Africa, there's countries that say, you know, we were independent first, you know, we were never colonized and and, and that's true. And that's that's fine. But that doesn't make you more superior to other black people who live in other parts of the world. Like, but then I also tell other black people that black Americans, like when we talk about what's happening in British and talking about what's happening in other areas, like let's not amongst ourselves try to ignore the experiences they go through. It's, it's collective. And so I just really want to see a more diasporic unity um, around fighting against white supremacy and racism. Um, because it impacts us all. It may impact us in different types of shades and hues and ways, but we're all being fucked by it and we need to fuck the system itself. Um, so yes, abolish the monarchy, stand up for black women, um, get Harry together, call, you know, everything. I mean, the fact that Meghan wore Princess Diana's bracelet, diamond bracelet during Oprah's interview tells you that she's calling for help and we need to protect her at all costs. And we need to also stop celebrating these monarchies and stop celebrating this type of royalty and leadership. Because as we can see, they don't, they don't see it for us.
they don't see it for us. And, and what we have recognized and what we have to remember as black people is that throughout all of this history, we can't lose sight of the fact that, listen, all, we, we're all we got. And a couple of uh, comrades, too, I suppose. But, yeah, that's everything. That's all my thoughts on this. Be smart. Abolish the monarchy. And um, let's get it. Earnestly Speaking is recorded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. To stay up to date with the latest on the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mr. Ernest Owens. Use the hashtag Earnestly Speaking to tell me what you thought about this episode and check out my website at ErnestOwens.com.